0: Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Antioch. Such a joy it is to be together in the house of God. My name is Andy and I am the executive pastor here. And I am full of faith this morning. I'm full of anticipation. I'm full of excitement for what God has for us. I'm full of excitement for what God did in our kids this weekend, and I can't wait for them to come back. I anticipate hearing from them the stories of how God moved in their lives. And I am full of anticipation for how God would want to speak to each and every one of us here today. I believe that he has something he wants to reveal, something that he wants to accomplish, something that he wants to do. As I was preparing this week, I just God just brought some fresh revelation, some fresh truth into my heart that just I just found so encouraging and so helpful and so strengthening for the life of faith and the journey that He has for me. And so I am believing for the same thing for you, that all of us together, that as God speaks and as as his word is active, that he would be present here and that we would all leave. Uh, today with a greater sense of the work that he's doing in our lives and a greater sense of equipping to follow him as he as he leads us. As a lot of you know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I grew up uh, playing sports year round. Now that I'm a dad of littles, I find myself coaching sports year round. I love I love athletics. I love athletic expression. Uh, in the, over the last ten years, the sport I've really given myself to is the is the sport of golf. If some of you may call it a sport, some of you may not, but to me, it's a sport. Um, and I, I love watching it. I love playing it. And I love learning more about what it takes to to be good at it. And I guess I I feel that way about anything. I love to learn what it takes to be great. And as I have studied and as as I've looked into it, and particularly looking at at golf at the professional level, what I've found is that the difference between those who achieve at the highest level, those who, who win and win frequently, those who win major championships or win multiple times on tour, and those who don't win as much, actually, the difference has very little to do with with physical ability. It has very little to do with technical capacity. There there are some differences. Certainly, you know, some guys can drive it further or their approach, they can put it closer to the pin or they can putt better. But really, the more that I've dug into it and what researchers and, and psychologists are saying is that the difference maker between the best and the rest is actually what happens between the ears. It's the mental game. It's, it's, it's a, a, an athlete's or a performer's ability to effectively approach what they're doing with their mindset that enables them not only to succeed once, but to, to succeed consistently. And namely, one of the things that they're finding is, or have found that really sets the best apart is their ability to respond to outcomes. Their ability to, to how, how they respond to outcomes. When they fail, or when there's disappointment, or where there's setbacks, or where there's discouragement, they do not lose heart. They do not lose confidence. They do not lose a sense of efficacy, a a belief, a wholehearted belief that they have what it takes to be able to succeed. And so they end up going on and doing that. And, And when they succeed, the best have an ability to enjoy success without losing their edge, without losing their hunger, without losing their, their drive. That, that, that thing inside of them says, but there's still more. There's still more to improve upon. There's still more that I can learn and grow as I hone my craft. I love thinking about that as I, as I seek to get better at golf, but mainly I love to think about that as I think about our journey with God. Because it's in order, in order for us to effectively navigate our journey with God, to walk effectively, effectively with him throughout the course of our life, we also need to be able to know how to respond to outcomes. To be able to, when things are hard or things are difficult, or when we face trials or delayed answers or disappointments, to not lose heart, to not grow in bitter towards God, to not give up. And... When things go our way and when, thing, and when we're blessed and we experience breakthrough, experience victory, to not lose our edge, to not say, you know what, God, I think I can take it from here, to not have an overinflated sense of self or self-reliance. We need to be able to handle both of those things well if we're going to make it in this life. And I think that's relevant not only generally for our journey with God, but it's so relevant for the, the series we've been in Because the series we've been in is about us saying, God, we want to have more faith. We want to have a deeper faith. We want to have a more resolute faith. We want to have a more steadfast faith. And as we have done that, we have recounted the stories of those who have gone before us. And sure enough, time and time again, we see that the growing of their faith, the testing of their faith has happened through how they respond to outcomes how they respond to things that happen or don't happen in their life. And primarily what we have seen so far is the delayed outcomes. What is in the heart of the worshiper, in the heart of the believer, in the heart of the follower of Yahweh God when the answer is delayed? When, there's, when it's a long time coming, when there is a promise given and yet they haven't seen it fulfilled. And so we have seen their faith strengthened in that moment and our faith has learned to be strengthened in that moment as well. But today we're actually going to see a different test altogether. And that's the test of blessing. What do you do once you actually get into the promised land? What do you do when you the thing that you've been believing for, the thing that you, God has promised, you feel like God has spoken finally comes to pass? There's, there's a, a, a test there as well. There's an opportunity for us to respond in that moment as well that would be indicative, a revealing of what's truly in our hearts. And that too is important for us to be able to know how to navigate through if we are going to have a deep faith a resolute faith and a faith that's firmly rooted not in outcomes, but in the person of God. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which is where we are going to be today. We're going to be in Hebrews 11. And we're going to begin in verses 17 through 19. 17 through 19. 19. We're going to read this. It's going to give us a little snapshot of this moment of faith that Abraham demonstrated as God tested him. And then we're going to dive into the full story in Genesis chapter 22. So we'll start with Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, Even though God had said to him, It is through through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Let's jump now to the full story in Genesis 22. Starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, "'Take your son, your only son, "'whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. "'Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering "'on a mountain I will show you.'" Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught, in its, uh, caught uh, by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as, as an offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What stood out to me this week as I was preparing was that both in Hebrews 11 and in Genesis 22, it's it's absolutely clear. God was bringing a test to Abraham. He was testing him. And so I just want to take a moment here and unpack that together, that we worship a God, we follow a God, a Lord who tests us. And when I say that, that that God tests us... uh, I think sometimes that that the first, at first hearing of that we may feel uncomfortable with it. Like, wait, God tests us—is he, is he trying to—is he trying to get us? Is he trying to play a gotcha? Like, is that what God is trying to do? Is that His heart? And the answer is no. God is a God is good, and we need to interpret everything God does through His proven character, through the through what Scripture declares about Him. Scripture declares that He is absolutely good, and therefore His testing. His action of testing us is good. God is, tests us for our good, and if He tests us for our good, then then my next question is: Then why, God? Why do you test us? What are you after? What is your purpose behind your testing of us? And as I was exploring that and saying, God, where in Scripture does do we can we understand f- more fully about the testing that you that you bring to us, that you administer to us? I fell. Just th- that what was uncovered is that, that God seems to test us for, for, two, for two reasons. There's two, there's two goals that God is after when he tests us. Every single one of God's tests, I'll say this, every single one of his tests reveal what's really inside of us. His tests reveal what's in here. And there's two reasons why he wants to bring that to the surface. The first is God likes to reveal what's inside of us so that he can heal what's inside of us. Right? The the, the test itself shows what's really in here. And a lot of times what's really in here isn't supposed to be there. And God says, I actually, I got to, I want to put my finger on that. I want to deal with that. I want to address that. I, I, you know, I need to remove that. Um, That's part of what, God, God's tests are intended to do. They're intended they to reveal and heal. There's another purpose be to, behind God revealing what's inside of us and the, the, the tests that, that reveal what's really in here. And it's not so much to heal what's inside of us, but rather it's to confirm, affirm, and prove that we are fully ready to inherit the blessing, that, that we are ready, that we are fit to step into the thing that He's promised. And, and so God brings tests to our lives. He does them to reveal and heal. And he does them to, con, to affirm and confirm so that we can step into the thing. And sometimes he does one and, or sometimes he does both. Sometimes he does one or the other and sometimes he's after both. But that is God's heart and his purpose behind testing. And we see those tests show up depending on the purpose he's after, depending on what his aim is and his goal is. We see those tests show up in different ways. The first test, the one that's more attended, attended to, uh, the goal is to reveal and heal. We see that, um, I call that type one, te- you know, t- test type one. That's the test that we see in James chapter one. It's portrayed like this. Starting in verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the goal of the test is to help us grow up. The goal of the test is to help us mature, to become more complete. And usually those tests are not, we're in a, uh, there, it's a delayed answer. It's a difficulty. It's a setback We're something hard has begun and we don't know exactly when it's going to end. You know, it's, it's a test of perseverance, of enduring faith, maybe a, a broader, more long, uh, you know, uh, uh, with more longevity, the season that we're going through. And the, the goal of that is character and, and inner, inner person refinement. Okay, that's type one. The second type of test is administered differently. It's not more, it's not a, a, a long standing, enduring trial. Usually it's more acute and more specific, right? It makes me think of the, of the test that I took when I was 17. When I went to go take my driver's test for the first time, and that's the key words, the first time, because when I took that test, it revealed that I could not parallel park. And therefore the New Jersey DMV said that I was not fit to step into my promised land, which was being able to drive. That's what I I mean. I couldn't wait to drive. And they said, no, you're not ready. And so I had to come back again two weeks later to test, to prove, to demonstrate that inside of me, I knew how to parallel park, which I love to do now, by the way. And which, but you don't do it that much around here. And therefore they said, okay, now you have verified, you have affirmed that you are ready and you are authorized to step into this next thing. So the next test comes by, by way of that. And that test is similar to the test that we see happening in Abraham's life. It's not a long, it's not a delayed answer. It's not enduring difficulty. It's a here and now moment of obedience or here and now moment that he's gonna prove what's inside of him. So then God can then say, yep, what I see is really good and you are ready for what's next. It reminds me, actually, it reminds me a lot of a test, a similar test that we see Jesus go through. In Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil. And so for a 40 day period, a very specific amount of time, Jesus faced three tests that God allows the devil, to bring to him. Each test, Jesus has, um, has an opportunity to respond in the way that God would have him respond. And through his successful navigation of those tests, Jesus demonstrated his fitness to step into his inheritance word, to step into the promise or the calling that was over his life. And Luke, in Luke 4, portrays this beautifully. It says this, starting in verse 16. He went to Nazareth. So this is after the the wilderness, after the testing, immediately after, this is what happens. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was stepping into his calling. He was stepping into the the word that God had already given him, had spoken over his life, that he indeed was the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah, that he was going to be the anointed one, the one set apart for the purposes of God, to bring good news to the poor, to set prisoners and captives free. And what demonstrated his fitness to then begin that fulfillment, to walk into that calling was the passing of tests. And so, I just, we're gonna dive into Abraham's test more specifically, but I just wanted to start there. God is a God, a good God who loves us and lovingly provides tests for us. And sometimes those tests are to reveal and heal. And sometimes those uh, those tests are to confirm and affirm that we're ready. But either way, God is after something good. And I encourage us together, if we're in something that feels hard or there's a delayed answer, or there's a, a, a trial. Or there's a, a, something that feels, that feels uncomfortable. We have the wisdom. To say, God, you're, you're good. And is this a test that you have for me? And if this is a test that you have for me, what's your agenda in it? Is there something in me that's broken that you need to fix? Because if so, you have full permission to do it. Like, church, it's better for us to lie down on the operating table and let him do the thing that he wants to do. Don't resist it. It hurts more when you resist it. Just let him do it. Just let him do it. Let him have his way. Let him fix the thing that's, that's broken. And if God is saying, actually, no, this is an opportunity for you to demonstrate that I've already done a work. I have something more that I'm preparing you for and I want you to step into then you'd have the wisdom to say, okay, well, this is my moment, God, to, to respond appropriately. Either way, we want to know the agenda of God so we can cooperate with him and what he's after. Okay. So let's dive now into Abraham's test. And, and specifically what I like to do is I like to, as we unpack it, I want to look at how did he respond? How did, so as, God, as he was tested, how did he respond what did it reveal about what was in him, about who he was, about his heart for God? And why did God, when he saw what was revealed, why did God say, yes, you're ready, you're approved. I, you, you, you have now the, the fitness to step into to, to what I have. So let's go ahead and unpack this. We're gonna start in, in verse two. It says this. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. You can imagine what Abraham must have felt when God issued this test. The emotions that must have gone on inside of him. God, I, you just gave me this blessing. Isaac it was, a, it was a it was a hard fought for twenty four year breakthrough. Now you're asking me to give him up. The confusion, the the worry, the fear, maybe the anger, though those are all those would all have been realistic emotions that he could have felt and maybe did feel. And actually God ups the ante ups the ante and actually reveals, you know, this test that I'm about to to do. I'm actually going to remind you of just how hard it is. Your son, your only son, the one whom you love, I want you to, to sacrifice him. And the first thing we see is, is this a hard test. God's tests aren't easy. They're meant like easy tests don't really reveal what's in here. Hard tests reveal what's in here. And so God's tests are hard. They're challenging. They're meant to expose. They're meant to reveal. They're meant to bring what's really in there to the surface. And so he had a hard test that he had to face. But despite the difficulty, it says in verse three early the next morning, early the next morning, he sent out. He did not delay. He did not wait. He did not say, you know what, God, can we talk about this? I think I have a different idea of how you could test me to prove what's really in there. Let me give you these few other ideas. He didn't have a counter argument to God. He didn't try to persuade God to lead him differently. Early the next morning, immediately he sent out. Church, the best way to respond to God's test is to respond immediately, to obey obey immediately. Immediate obedience reveals a surrendered heart. Immediate obedience reveals a submitted heart. And that's what Abraham did. He, he obeyed immediately. He didn't even have all the answers. He didn't have all the details and he didn't fully understand why, but he still did it. Verses four through six, it says, on the third day after departing with materials and sacrifice in hand, God then showed him the mountain he was to go to. He departed without knowing all the subsequent steps. He left not knowing exactly how everything was gonna play out. So many times we want God's plan to unlock our obedience, but actually in God's way, it's the other way around. Our obedience unlocks his plan. We need to be able to step out and obey. And it's in our obedience that God then shows us what the next thing is to do. Oftentimes we only have the first step or the next step. We don't have what comes after that. The only way to get what comes after that is to take the step, is to obey, is to go ahead and move forward according to the voice of God. That's all he needed All he needed was the voice and the direction of God to be able to take a step. And so he did. Seven through eight, Isaac asked his father, where where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for this sacrifice, for this worship? Again, you could imagine what that, even that question here, my son, who I'm about to sacrifice is asking me the question, where is the lamb? When he himself is the one that, at least according to Abraham's understanding at that point in time was to be the sacrifice. You can imagine that that may have you know, put a, 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 been painful, been a, put his finger on a nerve, touched a nerve of like, you are the sacrifice. You are the lamb. And it would have brought about those feelings again of, of anger or frustration or confusion or, or, or resistance. But that's not what we see in Abraham's heart. Instead of seeing a, a, a heart that is, has any sort of anger against God or disillusionment with God, we actually see a, a heart that's fully given to God. It's a very tender response. God will provide. It's one laced with faith. It's one laced with trust. It's one laced with a, with a heart that's tender towards the Lord. Abraham didn't just obey in action. He obeyed with all of his heart. He obeyed with with his affections, with his emotions. He obeyed with with everything that was inside of him. It says, then he went up, as they went up to the mountain, he built, this is verses nine and 10, he built an altar, he laid his son on it and reached down for his knife to slay his son. He demonstrated complete obedience. He didn't go just part of the way there and say, God, is this good enough? I mean, aren't I close enough? He went all the way there. He actually had the knife in hand and it wasn't until the angel stopped him that his actions ceased. He actually fully intended to go through with the thing that God had said until God himself stopped him. He obeyed all the way. It was not a partial obedience. It was not an incomplete obedience. It was all the way. It was a hard test that he faced, but he responded immediately even without all the intel. He allowed obedience to unlock the plan and didn't wait for the plan to give him the courage to obey. He obeyed not just with action, but with his heart. And he obeyed all the way. He obeyed all the way. And because of that, because of that, God looked upon him and said, I, what I have, I am delighted in and pleased with what I see you have revealed what's really inside of you. And because of that, you have demonstrated you are ready. You are fit to inherit the bigger thing, to receive the bigger thing that I've promised you. And we see that's exactly what he does in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities and their enemy uh, of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You are ready. You're ready. And I want to talk now, just for a moment, we talked through his obedience and the steps that he took, but I want to just unpack what I believe Abraham's obedience revealed. And as I share these things, my challenge is that we would have the same heart attitude. We would have the same posture towards God when God tests us when God brings about blessing to us, if that is one of the tests that we face, if it's a test of blessing that we're in, as I share these things, I say, God, let us have the same heart. We want, we want to have that same heart towards you. And when I, I share them, you're going to see they all kind of feel a little bit similar, yet there's little nuances to each of them. So I want to highlight them and speak of them separately. The first is this. God's test revealed Abraham's ability to receive blessing without idolizing it. He was able to receive blessing without idolizing it. To Abraham, God was not a means to an outcome. He was not a means to an end, a preferred end that he wanted. God was his end and God was his very great reward. And though he loved Isaac and cherished Isaac, he worshiped God. And there's a difference. In the end, nothing took the place uh, and the seat of worship. Only that seat of worship only belonged to one person and that was God. He didn't use God to get something he wanted. His willingness to surrender Isaac demonstrated that God was the one that he wanted most. He cherished the blessing, but never kept the blessing to keep him from obeying. Voice of God. Number two, God's test revealed Abraham's ability to receive blessing without losing radical faith. Look how, at Abraham's reasoning that he gave in Hebrews 11. For the, the reasoning he gave for why he went through with the action, it says this He reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. That is not human reasoning. That, that is not normal, natural reasoning. Well, I, even if I do this, God can still raise him from the dead. So my hope is in the Lord. That's not normal. That is a completely otherworldly, other, other supernatural, radical trust and hope in God. And he was able to do that. What's amazing is he, he didn't just exhibit it before the blessing. He exhibited it with his blessing in his hand. So many times we are willing to demonstrate and walk out in radical faith when, when we are in the wilderness, when we're still waiting for the promise, when we're still waiting for the outcome, because we're desperate and we got nothing to lose. I, I, you said something, I haven't seen it yet. I'll do whatever to see it come to pass. But are we just as willing to be radical with the blessing in our arms, with the, with the blessing that we have received? And what what if God gives us a blessing and then asks us to do something pretty crazy with it? What if he gives you an amazing financial breakthrough and then asks you to give most or all of it away? What if he provides a child and you've long awaited for it and then calls you to the nations to a place that doesn't feel safe to raise up a kid? What if he gives you the house of your dreams and then calls you to sell it and move to a tough neighborhood? What if he gives you a promotion and then asks you to to say no, because he has something else for you? I'm not saying that he necessarily will do that. I think the question is, how will we, how would we respond if he did? How would we respond if he did? Are we willing to have the same type of radical faith in the promised land that we had in the wilderness? Abraham demonstrated that even with the blessing in his arms, he did not stop believing and trusting God in a radical way. So he's able to uh, uh, rec- uh, uh, receive blessing without idolizing it. He was able to receive blessing without losing radical faith. And he was able to receive blessing without losing surrender and yieldedness to God's plan. We know what the promise was. The promise wasn't just for a singular son. The promise was for many descendants. In fact, God even changed his name to verify that that was the promise that that was his. You are no longer Abram, exalted father. You are Abraham, father of multitudes. But how could that promise come to pass without Isaac? Isn't Isaac a necessary step? Isn't it a necessary step to see that thing that you've said come to pass to be fulfilled? And by laying Isaac on the altar, he said, what he was saying, God, I relinquish control to manufacture, to manipulate or exert influence of any kind over how you will accomplish your purpose and your will for my life. Even if it it does not make any sense to me, it doesn't make sense, but I will not exert any control or influence of seeing your word come to pass. And dig a little bit deeper. Deeper and revealing what's in his heart. I think he was saying by putting Isaac on the altar, Lord, I relinquish my right to see that promise come to pass at all. Even if it doesn't, it's okay. You are my Lord. He laid it on the altar again. For us to be people of faith means that we have that faith tested. To grow in faith requires that that God tests us and he does it lovingly. He does it because he's for you. And sometimes it's because he wants to reveal and heal. And sometimes it's because he wants to confirm and affirm, affirm that you're ready. Whatever the test is, let us have the wisdom to be able to navigate it and cooperate appropriately. And if the test of 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 approving our fitness is a test of blessing, then let us have the same heart attitude that Abraham had. A heart that says, God, I can receive the blessing without idolizing it. I can receive a blessing without losing radical faith. And I can receive a blessing without losing complete submission, surrender, and yieldedness to you. That's what was in his heart that God loved. That was the thing that was in there that God said, you, my son, are ready. You, my daughter, are ready. You, my child, are, are, have been effectively prepared for all that I wanna give you, all that I wanna pour out on you. God has promises over each and every one of our lives. His blessings that are in store, and he wants to make sure that, that we're fit and ready to be able to handle them. So when those tests come our way, let's, have, let's see them as an opportunity. Let's see them as an opportunity to, to allow God to see what's really in us and say, say, oh God, won't you find something pleasing inside of me? The work that you have done, won't you find something pleasing in here that you'd be able to say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Why don't you pray with me? God, we thank you today that you are a good God. You are a good father. We thank you for the times of testing that come because you are for us and you refuse to let us move forward with deficiencies, like the refiner's fire. You turn up the heat in our lives to show us the things that are there that don't need to be there because you care for us and you love us. And you know that those things will cause us pain and hurt down the road. And so when you bring times of testing our way, we wanna respond. We wanna cooperate. We wanna fully surrender and submit to you and we thank you that not only do you test us to refine us, but you, you, you test us to approve us, to prove that we're fit, to prove that we're ready. And I pray that when those tests come our way, we would be eager to respond and follow your voice. And ultimately, Lord, we just want a heart, to have a heart that pleases you. That as you bring things to the surface, that what you would find would be delightful. That what you would find would be pleasant. And what you would find would demonstrate our utmost worship and surrender and submission to you and you alone. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me. We're going to have a time now to respond to to God's word. And really, if, God, if God's doing anything, if you feel stirred, you feel convicted, you feel challenged, you feel like he's inviting you, just go, go ahead and come forward now. You don't even need an invitation. This space is open for you. But specifically, I wanted to, to share a few thoughts that I would have. One is if for anyone who, if um, who has recently experienced a breakthrough or a blessing, this could be a moment for you to say, God, I want to I wanna put it on the altar again. I, I wanna put it before you again and, and say, I, there's nothing that would keep me from you. There's nothing more valuable or more important to me than you. And this is an opportunity just to do heart work before the Lord and, and say, God, you are my end. You are my ultimate, you are my aim and my goal. So this is a time for you to do that. Specifically, if you're in a season of testing, I feel like God's testing you and you're not quite sure what's going on. I feel like today's an opportunity for you to walk away with greater clarity of what the type of test that you're in and what you need to do to respond to it. Whether it's yield and say, God heal me, or whether it's saying, oh God, you have something that you want me to demonstrate through this. So today, if you're in a place of testing, I invite you to come forward and our our ministry team, you guys can come forward at this time as well. These guys are gonna be up here to pray for you, to to help impart wisdom to you, to bless you. The final area I I just felt stirred to to, to share is had to do with the, the plan and the obedience. And sometimes we want the plan before we obey, but really God wants us to obey and then he'll give us the plan. If you're in that place you feel like God's giving you a step to take in your life, there's something that he wants you to do, but you're scared because you don't see it all. God is inviting you today to have courage to obey and trust that he will show you the rest. So, If that's you, this is a time for you to respond as well. But if there's anything else, any other need, financial, spiritual, relational, spiritual, we're here for you, we love you. We want to see you whole and set free. So respond in this moment as our team leads us.